0: This is Jesse and you are listening to Red Cloaks Radio Extra Innings. This is a special extension of our Countdown on the Row Act and we're going to have a great conversation talking about what we're going to talk about in the next few weeks.
1: Hi, I'm Martha and I'm here to talk about different points.
2: Hi, I'm Lisa from Indivisible, Massachusetts and I'm really excited about this conversation.
3: And I'm Linda from Indivisible Active. I'm Karen from the Boston Red Cloaks. It's been a week since the formal session of the legislature ended, and it, they have decided in their wisdom to extend the session for the most part to the end of the year or until they've done the last bill. We understand that they have extended the uh, Roe Act deliberations until November 12th. However, we don't know still what's going on. We don't know the level of dedication and we have questions about that. So uh, Linda, I think that you had a conversation recently with Jamie Eldridge. Yes, um,
4: they, uh, the legislators voted to extend the session to the end of the year and to have the deadline to vote bills out of committee on November 12th. And uh, Senator Eldridge called me uh, that day, which I was very pleased about, um, that he took the time to let me know what was going on because he knows I'm very, very invested in the Roe Act and have talked to him numerous times about what is going on and what does it take to get this bill out of committee. And it's still in committee since June of 2019 when way before COVID when the, they had the hearing. So uh, we are all wondering why is this bill still in committee and why hasn't it been voted out? Um, my understanding was that Chair Claire Cronin had talked to many, if not all, of the House representatives and she knows where they all stand on the ROW Act. We've heard from Representative Gentile that we have the votes to pass the ROW Act. So it's just really stagnant in the committee. And we're wondering, why Why is that?
0: It is really interesting because we know there's a strong focus on COVID and making sure that properly, we can support people whose housing is threatened, who don't have incomes, who have lost their health care. But once you get to the health care part, it brings you really right back to the ROW Act because part of your health care is being able to end a pregnancy should you need to do that. So people who are more at risk now than ever before, it seems, if they don't have access, if they don't have funding, if they can't get to a provider. We're hoping to look a little bit more at what the challenges are in state. Some people think it's a blue state and everyone can access whatever they need. Lori's just jumping in on perfect timing, Lori.
1: (laughs) You're saying that in the Cape you cannot get this type of health care. Do we know if we can get if it's the same in other parts of the state? Is it only in the Cape?
0: Yeah, I think this is one of the things we want to figure out as we go into these extra innings. Where are the challenges in our state? Joining us also, we have Lori. <laughs> Lori? We're recording. Thank you for popping in. We're literally just talking about the things we want to explore in these extra innings episodes. It's an unprecedented move for the legislature to extend their session. They are in recess right this minute, but we're, we've decided we're going to continue with our podcast and really follow through and see what happens. One of the things we hope to explore is access to abortion services across the state and we look to you as someone who's got a little expertise there in the Cape. What I know is that the Cape and Islands and just off Cape, the Plymouth area,
5: it's one of the lowest services places in the state that we just don't have the providers here and can't seem to get anybody to want to establish a practice or a clinic here. We've enlisted the help of legislators and they seem also to have difficulty figuring out how to overcome this barrier to care. A lot of it might have to do with the demographics because in general, the population is older and therefore needs less reproductive health care. It's also a shifting kind of population. So the young people that come here for summer work, oftentimes are the ones that require abortion care and are shocked when when they find out they can't get it nor do they have transportation to go to providence rhode island or boston
0: get it i think it will be interesting for us we're talking about some of the questions we're going to want to ask in these upcoming interviews and i think it'll be very interesting to understand from people in the state who are raising money to help people either get the transportation they need or get access to a doctor, people who don't have health care. Of course, if the PRO Act passes, more people who can't afford it would have access to health care.
1: Some of the most common abortion restrictions are parental notification, consent requirements for minors, limitations of public funding, mandated counseling designed to dissuade individuals from obtaining an abortion, and mandated waiting periods before an abortion also unnecessary and overly burdensome regulation on abortion facilities so are all of these things being discussed in the legislature to pass the act or to not pass it these might be some of the questions that we might ask our legislatures
0: totally agree totally agree and i think lisa you'd pointed out maybe in between conversations that being able to even follow what's happening is difficult so the state website what does it have up now about the ROW act does it have the extension information yet
2: last time i checked it, it only had the extension until july it didn't say anything about the fact that it was extended until november i i think part of what was probably going on is that because the extension happened at the last minute and people had planned to take much of august off you know, things like updating the state website was probably not high up on people's list, but it can be very, very hard to find information on the state legislative website. Some some information's updated better than others, but bills change numbers and information gets posted late, and it's, um, it can be tricky to find what you want under the best of circumstances, and these aren't the best of circumstances right now.
0: That's an argument, I think, for them to do more because COVID makes it more difficult. You can't just go into the statehouse and visit with your legislator. You can't even meet with them in your own city or town in person in an easy or safe way. So while some people are using Zoom, which is terrific, other people, if they tend to not want to hear from you, they don't need to be accessible at all right now. And that is very unfortunate. Other things I think we can think about are reaching people who maybe are, have language barriers and aren't able to follow what's happening quite as easily. So I know we've talked a little bit about maybe doing some interviews and outreach in other languages so that whatever we learn, we can pass on. It does no one any good to get the information and keep it. And that happens a lot. Sometimes people get in their silo and they only tell themselves and their friends. Part of what is so revolutionary about the Zoom podcast is that you learn it, you pass it on right away. It 's been really interesting having people give us feedback who are listening at night when they're doing laundry or their kids went to sleep, and sure they would like to know, but not everybody reads the newspaper anymore.
1: I think that's very important to have it to be able to give it to some other more people people that speak French, people that speak Hindi, Chinese, Japanese, Spanish. so si ustedes nos están escuchando en español por favor, déjenos saber bostonredcloaks.com para que eh, sepamos cuantas nos oyen y podamos hacer un podcast en en español gracias so back to you jesse
0: fantastic because that's how we're going to open up more pads for people to actually be engaged it's come up a few times where many people actually don't want people to be engaged because they got elected they're in their seat and they don't want anyone engaged. They just want to stay in their seat and talk to the same people and get their same votes over and over. And we're going to talk to more candidates who are challenging. One of the things I've been amazed
3: at, and really opened up my eyes while we have been talking to these candidates who are uh, running for state rep, is how many of them are challenging incumbent Men, in some cases, women, uh, Republicans who are way past their sell-by date. They all they care about is having the seat, having the seat. They've forgotten how to speak to their constituents. Michelle Mullet was talking about how reading has changed in the twenty years that Brad Jones has been the state house rep, and that he doesn't even care. He doesn't show anything about caring except glad handing with, with the, the few people that like him there. So I think that, that that's a real eye-opener. If there were a way to make even that statement more pronounced would be interesting. Uh, I don't know what it means, but I just had that idea.
2: People- flip side of that is that there are legislators who really like to engage with their constituents. And now with COVID-19, that's a really difficult thing to do. And so the podcasts provide a way for them to interact with constituents and get their their message out. And it provides the same kind of platform for candidates who really don't have opportunities to speak to people in person. Um, And and one of the things that, that strikes me going into these extra innings is that In many of these races, it's the primary that matters. It's a progressive Democrat running against a more conservative incumbent. Or if there is a challenger from the other party, the district itself is so democratic that it's unlikely that that challenger will win. So I think the work we're doing in the next few weeks to highlight those races that will be decided on September 1st is really important. I agree. That's a good, that's a good, um,
3: that's a great idea. To look for more of those.
5: I also think it would be important and I'm not sure how we could make it happen. Certainly it's not something we could do quickly, but I think it's something that we might ask the coalition to help us with. And that is when we talk to candidates or even incumbents about issues like this and they feel they only hear from the opponents, right? It would be very powerful if we were able to provide them with a survey that said, but did you know 70% of your constituents actually do support reproductive rights or support the ROAC? And that would be extremely powerful. And when I asked the coalition if they had any kind of numbers like that, so that we could use this in, in discussions with candidates and incumbents, They really couldn't point to anything other than large general survey statewide surveys from I think they were two years ago. It would really be helpful if we could do smaller regional surveys and and use those numbers. Because numbers seem to be the only thing that anybody cares about, you know, as far as you know, something being
0: fact. I love that idea. Listeners Keep your ideas coming, too, because you can always email us at bostonredcloaks at gmail.com with ideas, and maybe we can get together a survey as a way to get more data across the state. I think around the teen issue, it's also something where we've all been saying maybe people need more sensitivity or time to adjust to it, yet we have no data for that. Mm -hmm. Actually, it really could be that most people, like the candidate we're going to talk to soon, maybe many people have teenagers, and they're okay. They're fine. Maybe they're a generation ahead of some of our legislators in having more open conversations with their young people. And perhaps they're ready, and they can embrace it. And if you only get the organized anti-opposition phone calls, you may have lost touch with the middle of the road voters. So as we go forward, we're gonna stick to it. We are not going to give up. If anything, we are more organized, we are stronger, we have new ways to communicate and to connect across the Commonwealth, which we will do and we will be paying attention to how current legislators either do or don't speak up and we will be watching to see which of the people who have stepped up to run are committed, comfortable talking about reproductive health and committed to reproductive justice. When we share our stories, we realize we're not alone. When we share our stories, we find
3: other people who think the way we do. When we share our stories, we become powerful. When we share our stories, we win.
0: Yes. Here, here, here. So get your popcorn out. Do whatever you would do during extra innings at Fenway. You know, they have a, they, Fenway's got a shorter season for baseball this year, but State House has a longer one and uh, we'll be here. We just could sing Sweet Caroline. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, uh. So. Legislation hard, never felt so good. So good. <laughs> Come on. That's my favorite part. <laughs> well, you know what? It'll feel so good the day they pass it. Yes, it will. So good. So good. And we will cheer then. See you soon. Nos vemos pronto.
1: Acuérdense de bostonredcloaks.com. Mandenme emails, mandenme sus ideas. Todo lo que se les ocurra uh, in, in, para ayudar a la gente que necesita abortos. Espero sus, sus ideas. Marta Leticia en bostonredcloaks.com. Gracias. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.